When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Now that you've found UBN Radio and discovered our quality talk shows, it's time to spread the word to friends, family, and the universe. 24 hours of music and talk. Radio without limits. That's why people keep coming back for more. That's UBNRadio.com. It's Wednesday. Tony and Carla are behind the mics and ready to bring you pure entertainment. On Air with Tony Sweet starts right now. Okay, everybody, I'm ready to party, and I'm, I'm so happy because on it's Wednesday, and it's uh, August 13th. I can't believe it, this month is already halfway over, and uh, it's been a couple weeks since this lady has been here in studio with me, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce her, my co-host with the mostest. We have Carla Renata. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you have two right here. Come on. Uh, Tokes is actually not feeling well this week. You are not feeling well for a couple of weeks, so we're glad you're back. We so missed you. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, everything in this Life's universe. Too long. <laughs> you gotta feel good. Life's too I feel good. Na, na, oh, na, 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 na. Do we have to pass that? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we have we have asked Captain BMI here. We can do anything we want to. All right. Well, that voice that you're hearing is not Tokes, but it's our first guest, and she's going to be with us the whole hour, Carla. Uh, this this lady is a veteran actor. She has her own radio show. She's an author. We're going to talk about two books that she uh, released, or it's I think they're ebooks uh, mm-hmm. com- that came out this mm-hmm. year. We're going to talk about those, and we're going to get a little bit personal and private about uh, some of the mm. stuff that she went through that that's going on in the news right now. We're mm. going to talk a little about depression and mm. and getting through how do we get through depression and mm. and uh, rising above, you know, out of the ashes uh like the phoenix. Uh you might know her from the movie ET, Cujo and 200,000 other TV film and plays whatever yes almost (laughs) we have the one and only d wallace yay Yay. d i'm so glad you're here i'm so glad uh, you know, I've interviewed Dee twice uh, okay. before this, and it's always I think been. Think you would have known everything about me. I by know. Now. I think I do. <laughs> here we are again. Do you know she has seven toes? No, just kidding. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? that is that in my bio? <laughs> it was, but I can delete that out if you. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, she's no alien, but she played with an alien like thirty some years ago. A lot of people think I'm pretty alien, honey. <laughs> well, you know, it, okay, you know, on Fridays, Eddie, I think was here last time you were here you know eddie's a psychic and we have talked about this about you know we are some some of us feel like we're not from this world anyway so you know i know i i could be an alien from some other world that you never know (laughs) carla carla's like yeah right (laughs) uh all right well we're gonna get started we're gonna get started because uh you uh have matched wits again with one of the greats uh, Steven Spielberg in the TV series The Whisper. I know. Who would think? 
like 40 years later. He's very I, loyal, isn't he? Well, don't now he is. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've been wondering for 40 years, but now he is. The reason You're like, he never called. The he never, he never sent said. me birthday cards. The reasoning <laughs> no. I, this the, is true. You're funny. The reason I said that is because he recently teamed up with Oprah, and it's been a minute since he worked with her, too. So oh, maybe yeah, he's reaching purple. back. To yeah, the people that he likes. Maybe I don't the know. loop is complete. And <laughs> <laughs> we're starting all over again. <laughs> I can't with you. And uh, so let's first of all, before we talk about Grimm, let's talk about the, the whispers. So how did how did this happen for you? Was it something that they reached out to you? Or? Uh, they did. I was sitting at home and I got a call from my agent and they said, there's this series, a pilot, mm-hmm. and they've just added this character. It literally shoots in two or three days oh wow (laughs) i think and you have to be in wardrobe tomorrow so hurry up and read it and see if you want to do it (laughs) yeah it's just don't you love those jobs being a star you you love those kind of jobs where you don't have to do do anything and oh my god do you want to do this oh yeah yeah after i you know it's the after 40 years in the business Mm -hmm. and i get an audition and it's another mother (laughs) you know it's like you know guys seriously i played every kind Bad ones, sexual ones, straight ones, idiot ones, <laughs> drunk ones, raging ones. So you got the lockdown on you the know, mom. But market. now I get to play a grandmother. Oh, there we go. So um, I read it, and I didn't really have time to, you know, look at it a lot. So I went, yeah, I, this is definitely me. <laughs> Flew into so wardrobe much. the next day, and the wardrobe girl, girl goes, how does it feel to be working with Steven again? And I went, huh? Steven? You didn't know. I didn't know. Oh, they didn't I tell didn't you that? Yeah, it came over to me as a ABC. Oh, it's that's an ABC. wonderful. So and, you didn't even and know. And Amblin is exec producing on it. And I went, well, feels pretty awesome right now. <laughs> you know? Wow. So... Wow. I and mean, it shoots in Vancouver, which is beautiful. Yeah. Yes, it oh. is. I love Vancouver. <laughs> it was supposed to shoot here. Oh, it was supposed to shoot here. And a lot of the the um, actors signed up thinking it was going to shoot here. But, it's been and a- Vancouver. I've been to Vancouver so many times in the 80s when, you know, the movies of the week were big. and Right. And. Yet we were still shooting them in Vancouver. <laughs> uh, but I love, I really love Vancouver. Well, I'm a, look, we need to bring the work back here. I'm we not, do. We look, do. I'm not Period. mad at you, but that seems to be a recurring theme these days with the pilot situation. They sign the actors on with the belief that it's going to shoot in L.A., and then they'll take it to, I don't know, Atlanta. Podunk? Yeah. <laughs> in Chicago. You know, I, I've Vancouver. been a producer. I've obviously an actor i've seen it from both sides i understand why they need to make the decisions financially what Mm -hmm. i don't understand is why the politics in our own city don't do something to keep it here to keep it here it it it's like a no-brainer to me we lose money you know the city loses money we employ less people it's like yeah, it doesn't make sense. I, I, I've been it's listening like to aliens it. have taken over their <laughs> right. mind. Yeah, and the wrong aliens, <laughs> not the not the smart. Well, ones. I only believe in the good ones. See, me too. <laughs> you too? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're really here to help us. Oh, I think so. Totally. <laughs> we need it. Hurry. <laughs> Make <laughs> yourselves known even more. Um, so. Well, you just said you were one, so get I am busy. one. I am one. I could do this, you know. <laughs> Why don't you do more sitcoms? You are so freaking funny. I don't know. Let's call them and ask them. You are hilarious. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. I I actually had a sitcom, uh, one of my favorite sitcoms that I ever did, um, in the '80s. Together we stand, and it was. I remember that one, yeah. And I just thought I'd died and gone to heaven, you know. But you're right. I I mean, I did a lot of comedy in ET, but it you know when I do it, it's in the guise of the real world mm. not sitcom world mm. but i yeah i have a lot of fun doing comedy now do you audition for a lot of television or unfortunately <laughs> i really you know after 40 years it's nice just to get an offer yeah. i mean i don't know how much they think my acting's gonna change mm-hmm. after 40 years yeah. i i don't quite understand the whole thought process <laughs> would be a lot easier right. on them and me <laughs> it, well that's what's but funny it, everybody in the chat room saying how great you look and they love oh, you oh well thank you and but that's that's the thing is people recognize I you, you too for saying that. <laughs> but people recognize you. you you really haven't changed much at all you no, look turn around, amazing I'll kiss it now honey. <laughs> <laughs> I, look at look at carla she's like wait a minute i got two cheeks i too. feel like i've held up really well and it's all me I haven't had anything done yet. <laughs> no, girl, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. it. No, don't do no, it, girl. Don't do no. it. Don't but, do uh, it. You know, the happier you are and the more shit you... Can right. I say shit? Yeah, of course you well, can. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> the more shit you Beep. let go from your energy, right. you know, and don't drag all that stuff around, the lighter you get and, mm. and the better you look. It's true. No, it's true. Don't you know, think? when you have... Yeah, it's, totally. Yeah, when you're you happy know. and there's not that <laughs> load of stress that's constantly, you know, oh, you're yeah, carrying it, around. It, you know, it's like that. It drags you down. Yeah, and which, brings, tired. Us, which yeah. brings us to, you know, people people think that because you, you look like you're happy that you're not stressed and that things are, are, are copacetic and cool. Well, there's a difference between balanced, knowing happy and manic happy. Mm. And a lot of times manic happy is driven by, uh, I don't believe I am, I don't believe I'm enough inside. Mm-hmm. So I'll give and give and give and give and give and give and give because that's how I know I'm okay in the world. Mm. Do you, in your humble opinion, opinion do you think that, that um, our dear sweet departed friend Robin Williams, do you believe that he was probably a manic happy type of individual i think he's actually said he was yeah mm. i mean he's very open uh, he was very open and honest yeah, about his it, yeah. depression um i'm not sure was he diagnosed bipolar i i'm not for sure if he. i'm not sure if that was ever diagnosed or discussed but you know um um i have a close friend who's bipolar they're incredibly creative people they th- their minds just go into possibilities mm-hmm. you know they don't quickly shut mm-hmm. um that we don't ever go to unfortunately oftentimes they can go to the dark side as well as the bright creative side yeah. and honestly as a healer mm-hmm. <coughs> which i am um 
that's the big challenge that's up for all of us is for the part of us to quit fighting the other part of us. You know, I want money. Well, money's the root of all evil. I mean, that's a simple way to put it, but that's the way a lot of us were taught. Mm. Um, you know, I want this fabulous, incredible relationship that I'm looking for as long as I don't create the five assholes I've been with before. Right. <laughs> right. It's true. And, and <laughs> it, I think she knows what I'm talking <laughs> about here. Nah. And, and that creates you fighting you. Right. So that you're always going like this. And that's why how that looks in our lives a lot is we're really successful for a while. And then we pull ourselves back, which is what happened to me after E.T. I went, oh, wait a minute. I remember my mom say, don't go too far too fast and don't ever toot your own horn. And right. Mm -hmm. Right. So stay the little humble girl that's from Kansas Midwest City. That's the Midwest values. You know. And, and I still, um, I still have to be very conscious of that part of me that goes, you're Deanna Bowers. No, you're Dee Wallace. No, you're Deanna Bowers. No, you're, you know, mm -hmm. to bring those two parts together. Um, I just did a really big weekend where a lot of my clients got together to work on behalf of the collective consciousness. And what my channel brought in was literally the biggest thing causing us trauma and unhappiness in our lives is the belief in helplessness mm, that's that's pretty big that's and big. if we have a belief that we're helpless mm -hmm. we can never move in to the power of being our own creators I, th these are great words and i thought you know a lot of people what this is what i noticed is when Robin Williams, you know, they announced that he, it was suicide, that on social media, I'd never seen so many people not just say, rest in peace, you know, God bless his family, whatever it was, but I feel the same way. I've, I'm in the yeah. same boat. I have never seen so many people feeling the same way as Robin did. I'm, you know, I've battled it all, all these years. I'm battling it now. You know, my family battles it. And so I don't know if people are just more people are, are just being open about it or more people are actually well, it's really easier, low. It's easier to be, it's easy to be open about anything nowadays oh, because social of social media. Yeah. Right. Because you're at a I keyboard. I am taking a shit right now. I mean, really? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Seriously? It's, yeah. You know, it's yeah. easy because you're at a keyboard and you're going da 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 with your keyboard and nobody's and just, looking at your face right. and nobody's judging yes. what emotion is on your face or how you're saying it or whether you're telling the truth or not. Right. No one really knows. People, you know, take you at and your word. And you're safe. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, especially I, I know I have family members in the military. They don't dare even today. Mm. No, no. We, you know, I, I can't admit that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm in danger yeah. of. Because they take that seriously in the military when you mention like anything mental illness or anything. Well, they, well yeah. you would yeah. think they did. But remember not too long ago <laughs> where somebody snapped in D.C.? And took out all those people in, oh, in a government right. building down by the uh, what was it, the the shipyard. And he tried to get help, hadn't he? Yeah, he yeah, tried. He tried he, to get help. They they let him go and said go get some help, and then I think they fired him or something, and then he came back and just took everybody out yeah. at the shipyard. I I think 
Well, I, I know because I work with a, a lot of clients that have been depressed that once you, <clears throat> and I, I'm not discounting in any way that the possibility mm-hmm. of chemical imbalances and all that. And I am saying that when you can reignite yourself with that part of you that's going, bullshit, I'm taking my power back. Mm -hmm. This is not who I am. And know that there is a possibility to really do something about that from within yourself. That's got to be the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So... Um, uh, he was depressed all his life. He was a drinker all his life. It was from the war. Uh, my mother's words that ring through my head even today is he was never the same after he came back from the war, Didi. Mm. So you have to forgive him. You have to understand this isn't who your daddy really is. And yet, in my experience, this is the only daddy right. experience that I had. Wow, so. we have that in common because my, my, my father did not take his own life. My father was in the military. He was in the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. and he he drank heavily for a period of time as a result of that, mostly because I believe my father suffers from depression, but he doesn't realize what that is because he was a Marine and because they're conditioned to not go there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're conditioned to not feel that, not go. I remember vividly being a child, and if I even looked like a tear was going to come to my eye, my father would look at me, and he's like, don't you do it. Oh. Don't you Which do is, it. you know, that's He would do natural. it. He would yeah. do it. He would Which do that. Which is so harmful. He would, do yeah, that all, he would do that all the time. All the time. <clears throat> I think I've only seen, I've only seen my father show emotion twice in my lifetime. Once when we were at my my godmother's um, funeral, and another time at my at his brother his oldest brother's funeral, that was it. In my whole life, I, that's the only time I've ever seen my father have any kind of emotion uh-huh. ever. So, but I, luckily for me, I am a part of a generation unlike his that I understand what that is, and I understand what I need to do to deal with it because I suffer from depression too. But I know exactly what to do to deal with. But I have to tell you, like when when they said that that that's ultimately um, one of the factors that led to Robin taking himself out, I I totally understand what that is because when you're in that place, it's so dark, it's so dark. I can't even find the words to describe to you what that is. It's very dark. You don't want to talk to anyone. You don't want to see anyone. You just want to be alone with your thoughts, and your thoughts can be very detrimental. Well, in that yeah, moment. that's. You know well, what I mean. You just uh, yeah. I do even know what even you someone mean. that even someone that has the best therapist or professional or talks to the best professional in the world, it just sometimes doesn't stop you from slipping into that place and it and anything can trigger it it's no one thing that triggers it it's no Mm -hmm. one thing that happens and it's not like it's a cyclical thing it's not like you know every tuesday you (laughs) slip into a depression funk you know what i mean tornado hits you know what i mean it's very it's very it's like a tornado in that respect it's very unpredictable 
you don't know when it's going to hit you or know, how hard. When you uh, asked before the show started, can we talk about depression? Mm -hmm. And I was uh, asking the channel, what information should I bring forward about depression or what the basis of it was? Because when you go into the channel, you always get information that your your mental mind goes say what right <laughs> you know whenever right. i go huh i i know that it's not coming from and and i asked you for a movie and you mm. said goodwill honey um there's so just testing this this is the highest understanding that um there's so much more depression today because we look for the bad stuff and it's constantly reminded with papers yeah. and magazines and news, yeah. news and everything. Yeah, the media and is tight. And, and you, yeah. but you see, you have a choice. Yeah, we, we you do have, have a, choice. a choice where to put your attention mm -hmm. on. Mine's if being you, creative. Yeah, well, that's what I. As long as I can create, I'm. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm, happy. That's when I'm happier. You know. <laughs> um, but you. We just live in a world where, for some reason, we want to have five shows about asshole housewives <laughs> right. that are totally dysfunctional <laughs> so that we can sit there and feel better it's, it's about true. ourselves. It's, it, it, it's, that I mean, is exactly true. I have a, a gentleman that lives in the apartment building where I live, and he was saying he was on this, he writes for this new reality show, and he told me what it was on Discovery Channel or History Channel or something, and it's about the hillbillies. And I said, when, why do we need another hillbilly you know, reality you show? Why. And that's what he said. He goes, because when Honey Boo Boo came about they said it was so successful because people like to watch it because people it, like, like to laugh at, people like to look people. at it it's like a train yeah. wreck it's yeah. like a train wreck well, or a car wreck you and yet you see it, but you don't want to turn and away. yet then we sit here as a society going why am i going into the toilet why am right. i depressed why are my values falling mm -hmm. because we're creating it that way i mean mm -hmm. I, I, I personally totally agree with you i personally that. don't care to watch any of those shows because they just they just you annoy. think they annoy me they get on my nerves they I, just annoy me to make fun of other people and and <laughs> i don't know choose to watch people not being the, their best and mm. you know i'm totally open to everybody out there going well you're being pretty freaking judgmental aren't you <laughs> yes <laughs> and <laughs> I have I if I want to hold my vibration and frequency at the place that I want to hold it, I have to choose things that inspire me. And to that, do that is not one of them. Well, one well th not for me. Not for me <laughs> not either. For me. Not and for one me thing either. that it inspires but you is to write. And uh, we're going to talk about oh, nice this. segue. I know, right? <laughs> did you like that? <laughs> I did. I know, I know we were going there. I know. So okay, let's talk about the first book that that released this year as an ebook. It's called "Wake Up Now: A Book of Universal Truths." So could you tell us about what you're kind of add what we're talking about into this book? Yes. Well, first of all, I have three books that are in print. Okay. Okay. I think the last time I was here, we were talking about Bright Light. Right. And <clears throat> Bright Light actually is my personal story of how I had everything and lost everything and kept blaming the entire world 
other than myself for doing that and finally woke up one day and went, damn, if I'm going to have anything different, I better start creating it, right? So remind mm -hmm. me to tell you the story of how both Grimm and The Whispers came about to be. Yeah, because I okay. want to talk about Grimm. Because it's a real you. example that I want people to get. Wake up now, um, my followers. <laughs> uh, I send out a weekly article uh, that's all channeled information about what's up uh, in the collective consciousness, mm -hmm. where we need to shift, where we need to focus. And... I kept getting emails from people going, D, you need to put these together. You, you know, I've like got a file electronically, but you need to put the best of these together because people were like going just randomly. What do I need to remember today? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and reading one of them and getting put back on track. So I did. Hmm. That's what I, I put together. And it is when I... When I ended up reading all of them, it was a book of universal truths. It talks about energy. It talks about how memory uh, is held in the water from the beginning of time. And why is that important? Because we and the earth are over 80% water. Mm -hmm. So if we don't know that memory's been hanging around from the very beginning, that's a lot of information to know about why you might feel controlled in a particular way when you want it to go the other way. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the ionosphere, all the, and all of it's, the way they give me to write, which I think is what m my strength is, is I write like a clever spiritual girl next door. So I ain't Eckhart Tolle. And I'm proud to say that <laughs> uh, because you really can pick up my stuff. If, if you're sitting there with a bottle of booze right now and pills by your side and you go, I don't know anything about this shit, but there's something about what she's saying that I might want to get a hold of. Maybe this could give me some answers. You can pick up any of my stuff and really understand it. Well, Dan, no, Daniel actually private messaged me and said this this is so healing for him. Oh, I, yeah. oh thank you. Thank so, you. and that's and that's what they said. That's why we love to tune in because of people like you, because I think so many people are always looking for answers, constantly looking for ways to to yeah, feel better. Yeah, and you know, you've got it already. the The best answer is you. Go to you. Go to you. Go to you. You were given free will to create you. That's why we're here on this three-dimensional plane to go, look, look what I can do with energy. Mm -hmm. I can be Hitler with energy. I can be Christ with energy. You know, I can live and move people with energy. I can take myself out and start over with energy all over again. I mm -hmm. can do anything with this energy that I can, but you have to know you have the power. You have to take that power back. And for eons, organized religion has taken that right away from us. Hmm. I know I'm mm -hmm. going to get phone calls about no, I. What's funny is I but totally agree with you on that one. Not And society <laughs> and our parents and, I believe, 
my Baptist preacher's coming out. <laughs> I, I believe um, that's what sins of the fathers means, is that all these, these beliefs that aren't true, mm-hmm. that we know have not created the world, have been passed down and passed down and passed down and passed down and passed down. You know, when my daughter was little, I literally would be saying something to her and go, no, come back. <laughs> come back. That's my mother. That's not me. I didn't mean to say that. You know, we just right. like fall right into yeah. it. Yeah. And and now my daughter, well, you've had Gabrielle yeah, on yeah. your show. She's my best friend. She knows the healing work back and forth. And sometimes I just want to freaking kill her because she <laughs> spits it right back at me. Well, that's not very positive, Mom. If you keep talking like that, that's what you're going to create. <laughs> you know, but it's true. It is true. It's so true. The answer's you. Yeah. All the answers lie within you. If you keep going, God won't do this, or God's the only one this will do this, you're just going to be giving up your power for a long, long time. It says very clearly in the I Am Discourses that God, universal love, the force, whatever term you use, cannot and will not intercede on your behalf without your direction. So, like an actor, if a director says to me, well, just do anything, I don't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> I don't. I need direction. direction. Yeah. Energy needs direction. If you want to make ice out of what I know, you'd think I'm on speed or something. <laughs> this is what I get when I get in the... I love it. If you great. want to make ice out of water, you've got to go, oh, I want to make ice out of water. I better take the water, put it in the tray, take it to the freezer and put it in there. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But we keep going... Well, I don't know why I can't. Why can't I do any of this? Why can't I? And there, because but, you're not taking the water to the refrigerator. But do you do you think? Because uh, this is my thought. When I when I because I've you know been in therapy for so many years. Uh, well, how's that working for you? Well, th- this is this is my thought because I feel this is I feel you know yes. they do in therapy that a lot of times therapists try to create blame. This, this is my thought. Not all, but there's a lot of therapists try to oh, create Oh, absolutely, blind. especially mommy and daddy. Well, see, that's the thing. Is when, Holy when hell. I, when Poor I first, mom and dad. When I first started, I actually, that's I was really close to my mom and okay with my dad. And it, it became, you know, it's your dad. You know, it's your dad's fault. And then I started getting angry. Yes, it's my dad. He's the one. And then as I got older, this is, I started like 25. Now I'm 40, almost 45. And about <gasps> five. Doesn't he look good? Well, thank you. Yeah, all right. Hey, <laughs> girl, what you? White doesn't crack either. Don't, I'll tell you right don't now. Be, don't be giving me the finger. Oh, no. I don't know. Don't be swirling your finger at me. I better take that back because I don't know what I'm don't talking about right now. Don't you be swirling your finger at me. But, <laughs> I do. But, but here's what and I. And past lives. We, and, we blame past lives well, that's, a lot, too. Yeah, that's true. You know, I love. <laughs> I do. I love. Um, oh, what's I her name? I love you. The blonde, the blonde, the blonde. Oh, she has this great quote. For those of you who believe in past lives, this is the life you've been dying to live. So get on with it. That's what I feel. That's the way I feel is there's so many people that find blame in everything else. 
when I was talking about my parents, I, I finally told the therapist, I, says, I can't blame my parents anymore because I said, I'm an adult. I'm now the age when my parents were when they had me I, or they, they were like 30, 35. Horrifying, isn't it? Right. <laughs> but when I now I look at it, I said, they're they're just human beings. They're just they were human beings that had four kids that were doing their best. And yeah. I said, then they and then I would see what my my grandparent would probably done to my dad to make him way he was to me. And I thought, you know, yeah, I can't it's blame like, this. Get on with it. And yeah, I can't. You know, blame they're not going to change. My dad isn't going to bring him back himself back from <laughs> right. the dead. You know, my grandmother's never going to think that if I went to dance class. God didn't like me. Right. None of that's going to change. Right. None of it. It's going to change. They thought that in Kansas too, huh? Oh hell. She's I'm from, from Missouri. Missouri. Oh well. Oh please. My my auntie, so, my auntie and my grandmother I mean. thought it was that that if I they if I sang anywhere it was like equivalent to them of singing in a juke joint which there's nothing but the devil in there. That's what they would say. Oh, I just did a private <laughs> session. <laughs> for a wonderful client who shared with me that when she was a very little girl, her sister died. Mm. And the pastor said to her at church, your sister died because God saw you dancing. What? Now carry that shit with you all, wow. all your life. You well, kidding? but we've all gotten wow. those messages, yeah. guys. Maybe we have all extreme, had our yeah. power yeah. taken away from us. That's and it's time to get it, it back. And every, everything through is love, possible. Through love. But you got to love yourself first. Amen that's a big that. thing. Sister D. Yeah, that's a <laughs> big, that's yeah. the cornerstone, I think, of everything, is you got to get up every day and go, how do I love myself more today? How do I love, how, how do I acknowledge how fucking magnificent I am mm -hmm. today? That's my direction for this day is mm. because when I you love yourself <laughs> you gotta love it's true your life and what's going on in it yeah, I knew, you what, do. what's the old you saying do. of rupaul if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love anybody else and well, it's, to you it's can't totally true because you see the world through the perspective right that you see yourself and if you're going i'm a big piece of doo-doo <laughs> Then, then that that's the way you're going to see yourself. Is how, see, it works three ways. How you see yourself, how you see the world, and how you see the world seeing you. So mm. if I see myself as doo-doo, I'm going to be looking out at the world, and the world's going back on, look at that doo-doo walking down the street, calling <laughs> herself T. Wallace, right? Right, no. And I that's agree. the only world I can see then. Because uh, I see myself that way. Well, everything is possible. And this is another segue into another book called Getting Stuff, Everything is All Possible. All right, I want to know. <laughs> I want to hear. How many people like that title, Getting Stuff? Oh, I, I mean, I like free stuff. So if you're, if it's getting stuff, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm serious. I want to know if the title, like, gets you, though. All right, people in because, the chat, do you guys like the title? Yeah, because nobody wanted me to use Getting Stuff in the channel. Really? said, I don't care. Use it anyway. <laughs> So I, I just... Well, what is getting stuff about? Well, getting stuff is, I mean, let's face it, we all want the stuff. If you say you don't want the stuff, you're lying. We want more money. We want the car. We want the house. We want the clothes. We want the stuff. We do. Mm -hmm. Now, back to us fighting against ourselves. Here's, 
you know, D, D Wallace going, sure, I want the stuff. I like my house. I like my new car, even though I can't understand how to drive it because of the navigation thing. <laughs> I want this stuff. I want this stuff. And then Deanna Bowers comes in and goes, no, you don't. You only want what you need, Deanna. Now, wait a minute. I'm Dee Wallace and I like this stuff. I know I like this stuff. I like to have more than enough money. I'm doing my daughter's wedding right now. It's really nice to be able... Deanna, you don't need anything more than you need. Okay, so all the, and we, it's like the, when we were little, you know, the cartoons, the way with little angel here, little devil mm -hmm. there, and they're both us. They're both us fighting what we want instead of going, okay, I, I'm going to acknowledge I love this stuff. And you know what? The more stuff I have, the more stuff I get to share. Oh, I'm on, a yeah. big <laughs> fan of tithing, by the way. You know why? Other than, once you start tithing, your money will increase, I promise you, because you know what it makes you do. It makes you look at all your beliefs and your fears mm -hmm. that come up. Oh, I don't think I, I don't have enough to do it right now. Oh, if I tithe this much, then I'm not going to have enough for that bill when it comes in. Mm -hmm. So you start seeing all your belief systems around your enoughness and and the consistency of enoughness. Now that goes back to, and who's the creator of that? Who's the creator of your enoughness and who's the creator of you always having enough? You, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't know that, then you go into the fear and then you don't tithe and then you literally do that to your money because money's recigib. Do you like that word? Recigib, that's my, I made that up. <laughs> I like it. I Just made that up because <laughs> <Fantabulous. laughs> we like a good hug. Mm -hmm. You receive and give at the same time. That's how the universe works energetically. So when my daughter will call me and go, oh, mom, this and this isn't happening. I say, what are you giving? Hmm. What are you giving? Because if you don't know you have enough to give, you are choking off the supply for you and everybody else. You know, I have the name of my next, next book. <laughs> Why are you looking at me when you say that? <laughs> Spiritual people don't say fuck. What do you think about that? Do you like that name? I love it. I love I it. I would buy it. Because when I started out, when I started out, they said, oh, my God, Dee, you can't, you can't be who you are. I said, what? You can't, you, you, can't, you can't swear. You can't say you drink. I channel some of my best shit on a glass of wine. I do. <laughs> Look, if it, if, it was okay, if it was good enough for the Last Supper, I'm just right, saying. I ain't mad right, at you. Right. I am not mad at you. I, clink, clink. If, if I'm telling you, this, Jesus can have. this whole and spiritual woo-woo place about you can't be yourself and you can't be real and be connected to the truth. It's just poo-poo to me. Now, mm -hmm. let, me, let me ask you a question on, on, okay. on that wave of thinking. So over the weekend, my mother and I went to a group healing session. Uh-huh. And this, this guy was talking about, he was quoting uh, the Lord's Prayer and talking a lot about God and showing a lot of yoga pictures 
And then he whipped, <laughs> wait, that's not all. <laughs> then he whipped out this crystal and sprayed it with some vinegar and was doing this while he was doing some kind of kind of prayer. Mm -hmm. So my question is, from my perspective, it felt like he was doing too much. It felt like he was combining all these <laughs> things together and trying to make them work cohesively as one. And if and it organically to me felt very disjointed. And I and I didn't I didn't believe him and I felt you bad. You didn't believe him because you know the truth is it's all up to you. Now my answer to that is whatever works. Okay. See, prayer works for some people because they pray going, you know, God, I want this, and I want you to give it to me. Ask in the original Hebrew is claim or demand, mm -hmm. not, oh, gee, if I'm worthy and I know I'm not, you know, even sit at your feet and all that, but could, could you give it to me anyway, but I'm not worthy to get it. But he wasn't really right. praying. He was no, but whipping I'm, out a bunch of instruments. I understand, and, and there will be somebody in that group that believes in the crystal. Oh, the crystal. The crystal yeah. came out, so now I'm healed. Oh, the prayer. It was the prayer that healed me. Oh, the yoga position. That allowed my energy. And I'm saying, you can give your power to anything. You want. Mm -hmm. And if you truly believe that that thing will heal you, look, they've proven it in medicine for years. Give somebody a sugar pill, tell that's them it's true. the same oh, thing. That's true. They cure themselves like that. Snake oil. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, there's this yeah. uh, amazing thing that I sent out. Um, months ago, sorry, um, <clears throat> where this this uh, surgeon, this knee surgeon, went through the whole protocol. <clears throat> he only operated on half of his people, but he went through the whole protocol, putting them under, talking with his Didn't associates, did never did the surgery, and their knees would heal. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a mind thing. Well, the channel is yelling no. It's... Energy? Well, I wanted to say energy, it, and they really want me to use the world's word soul. Oh. Now, what the hell does that mean? Let's just explore that a minute, because everything... Hold on. Incoming. <laughs> The way they're explaining it right now is your soul is energy with direction. Hmm. That's great. Oh. So if you're laying on a table with no direction, you're not working with your soul. If you are taking your energy and directing it, like when people went to watch Christ, when people went to sit with Buddha, when people go to the Dalai Lama, they are choosing to direct their energy in a certain way. Right. And therefore, their soul creates for them through that. Right. However, they, they want everybody to really understand, because this is a big misnomer in spiritual realms that we're working in on this plane and it's as bad as religion that if you're 
a soul can be directed. Well, we're going to get we're going to get <laughs> writing about a soul can be directed what we call negatively as well as what we call positively in the perspective of the one energy, God, the force. There is no negative and positive. It is simply the choice of a different experience and how you want to experience in this lifetime. Hmm. Now, Mm. what was interesting about the session is before he had done anything, I pick up on people's energies for whatever reason very strongly. I don't know why, but I just do. Before he had done anything, there was this huge amount of distance in his energy toward me, not anybody else in the room. Well, honey, you don't preach to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. It was this huge. He looked at you and went, no, might as well not even waste my time there. (laughs) That's what it was. That's what it was. And it was this energy. And so I was like, you know, and and when we can all just walk into a room with guys like this, or ISIS, or any of the bad guys in the world, you know, if, when we can just walk in and go, okay, you're just energy expressing itself, not the way I want to express myself, but you're, mm-hmm. then we don't feed it. You know, we don't give it more energy and more focus. Yeah, that's that's what my attitude was. And maybe he picked up on that. Maybe he picked up on that for me because I immediately upon meeting him was like, "Ooh, something's not right here. I don't know what it is. He knew you weren't going to buy it, dude. I didn't know what it was. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that, though, that that try. Well, there's a lot of people that are going, please throw anything at me. But that's what I mean. I just want an answer. But it hurt. It it hurt me to my core. It hurt me to my core because the the majority of the people that were involved in that group healing, not myself, but the majority of the people that were had some form of cancer or had at some point had some form of cancer. And if they believed in him enough, it could work for them. As you believe. Yes. It's delivered unto you. I got you. Okay. Whatever your belief system is, baby, that's what your life's going to be. I was just interested to know what you thought because listening to you, I have an easier time accepting what you're telling me and what you're saying to me well, because than I'm, I did that day. Because because from you, I feel like you shoot straight from the hip and there's no bullshit. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope so. <laughs> I, I'm really not into the frou-frou, you know. The shishi frou Here, let me give you a blank CD with nothing on it, but I've infused it with my energy and it will totally heal you. Could you pay me $190, please? Yeah. That's, that's what he did. Really? Well, and for some people... Do you understand everybody gets to choose and through that choice we attract each other. Mm -hmm. Some people need those kind of people and that's okay. Mm -hmm. No, I I totally agree. If they choose to work with those people and go broke in their lives paying for all these things that don't work for them, Mm -hmm. that's okay because it's been their choice. Do you, do you feel, because uh, working with Eddie and having many people on from, you know, the, the spiritual realm uh, on my show, 
Do you feel that we, we as beings, we as energy, we choose a lot of the things we were meant to go through? Or do you think we choose, I mean, before we even come to I this I think plane? we're given, no, <clears throat> absolutely not. You're in choice every single moment of your conscious life to go any direction you want. But we are given, we are taught the belief systems, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that keep us from exercising our own power. You watch a little baby, little babies come in and go, I'm going to shit and pee and throw <laughs> up and cry. I'm going to do anything I want to do anytime you want to do it, and you have no control over me. They know they're the center of the universe. Yeah. They know it until we teach them that's not okay. You better sit down and shut up. The adults know everything, and they're sitting there in those little minds that can't talk yet going, bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) But we weaken them, and we weaken them, just like my mom going, don't you get too big, too fast, Deanna. And you never say, you never say how good you are. Mm. My my mama used to tell me. You know what's interesting about that? My mama used to tell me that, too, when I was little. But she was so funny. A couple of weeks ago, we were with a girlfriend of mine and her mom. And my girlfriend um, was an international model until she got sick. And her mother was talking, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so has been traveling around the world. And she (sighs) did this, she did that. And my mother, I don't know what got into her, but my mother was like, well, Carla's traveled too. And and the way she said it was like, well, my daughter ain't no slouch. Now, hold on now. And she sat up in her chair. and She was her ready posture. to fight. My mother was like ready to go and drop kick somebody. It was hysterical. And we got I in, know that place. And we got in the car and I said, Mom, you know you, did, you didn't have to do that. Well, Carla, I just, you know, you just don't tell people what you're doing. I said, because they don't need to know. They don't need to yeah, know everything sorry, about me. Sorry, I've got a piece of information for your friend, though. She got sick because she went too far too fast. She did. Well, she didn't, but that's the belief that gave her. So she can can recreate all of this. She's just got to be conscious. I shouldn't be, you know, nobody asked. I know, (laughs) but I'm here. (laughs) So that's a high, yeah, that's the highest understanding. Some little voice in her said, well, you know, you shouldn't be this famous. You shouldn't be doing all this shit. And she wanted to do it so much, so she got sick so she wouldn't have to instead of telling herself. Hmm. What, what do you think about We do pe- that a lot. We create sickness a lot to hold ourselves But what back. do you think about, because my parents never, because I, I went through that. I went through that myself of like, oh, success, sphere of being successful. But my parents never told me that. They always encourage me to do. I mean, where do you think? That's not those? true. Well, don't get it twisted. She encouraged. Oops. Not true. I'm not talking about what words they said to you. Mm-hmm. So in watching your parents, how far did they go? Okay. Got it. It yeah. just popped in my head. Yeah. Because my we, dad wanted to be a dentist and he did not he took over the family grocery store uh, business like and he boy. didn't want to do it yeah. and my mom hated going to granola and you wonder where your depression comes there we from. go thank you Dee. you know it just popped in my head as soon as you if, said that. if you know you're supposed to be powerful mm-hmm. and you we have all these messages 
you know, about we're not supposed to be or we won't get into the kingdom or we're not humble or whatever BS is behind it, we are going to be depressed mm -hmm. because we know the truth. Know the truth and the truth sets you free. The truth right. is you're powerful. Christ said these things and more will you do if you would just go do it with the energy, you know? Right. If you would just listen to me instead of what all the teachers took my, my teachings and made themselves more powerful by making you less powerful, listen to my shit instead. Mm. Because we were given the permission to do anything. Wow. Anything that we wanted to be. These are, these are powerful messages that I think a lot of people, again, have been saying how much they're enjoying this. And it's a free therapy session, they right. said. But we got to... <laughs> we do, before we well, go, because we have yeah, about no, seven minutes left. We got to go to the Grimm and the Whisperer. Yeah, so I want to know about the Grimm before, because... Well, I love working on Grimm. For people who follow the show, it's everything I'm talking about. Uh, and for me... It brought Dee the actress and Dee the healer together in the perfect oh, world. How was that doing that uh, for the first because time? Because it, sure. it represents, all of us play different species. Mm -hmm. And it's all about, you know, I, I can't marry you because we've always hated you. And, you know, uh, I was Monroe's mom. And um, I had to be the, my character had to be the one to step over that place of maybe we have to put aside what's always been our history the things that have been passed down to us right mm -hmm. so if we took the scene in grim that i had to play and put it in kansas in the 60s it would be like me walking into my mother saying i'm i'm want to marry a black jew <laughs> him saying he wants to marry a blute button or whatever you know it was like, oh, we've killed, we've always killed each other before. You can't cohabitate. What are the children going to be? It's, it's a beautiful statement mm. of, of uh, our political insecurities, um, race. Um, just when I got it and I started understanding what the show was about, I went, oh, my God. This is everything I teach. You don't want the past to create itself. You don't want your monster to come over right. and take you over so that you cannot create what you want. Then go ahead. Go back into all your old shit. Live all your old, you know, grievances. Keep hold of those just really tight. Yeah, your monster is going to come out. And you see that you know, in Israel and Gaza right. and everything oh, okay. right now. It's exactly the same thing. Wow. Now, on the other hand, wow. then we flip over to the whispers. <laughs> I'm still getting discernment about what this one's about. And I can't really uh, give away a lot of... I play the grandmother um, to this precious Kyle. Oh, what a precious little boy. Talented. Oh, I saw he's cute. He's um, a cutie. Lily Ray plays my daughter. Beautiful actress. Um, quite frankly, a lot of, of us on the show don't know. Really? Really what's going on. We have an inkling that something bad is affecting our children, which is going to affect the world. That's about all we know.
and I play the grandmother who's trying to hold, from my perspective, trying to hold the family together. Mm. Uh, the husband's out of the picture. We don't know why yet. <laughs> and <clears throat> so, so that's kind of uh, the antithesis of what I really believe. So I know any experience in your life that you're taken into is an experience for you to become more conscious about yourself. Mm. So I'm really interested in where, you know, that's going to play, play out and where I'm going to get to expand. That'll be great to it. see where that or where, where you can take it. And, yeah. And oh, well, the writing, the writing is oh. amazing. Sue, uh, one of our exec producers that, that writes all of them, it just stunningly uh you just want to go oh my god now what <laughs> sort of yeah. like 24 oh no can i watch the next one now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? That's hilarious. well before we get out of here we have about three minutes i i first of all uh, thank you for coming in studio i it's always a pleasure and a joy to have you on and to hear your wisdom and hear it is the spirits or your guides talking and uh, do you call them guides I call it the energy, the energy, and it's you, and it's me, and yeah. it's God, and it's the force, and it's the angels, and that's all there is, yeah. is the energy, Yeah. and all the answers are right here to, for everybody, but you've got to ask, you've got to reach up and go, I want that answer. Right, and I think, you know, you know people that are listening, and people that are going to hear this on podcast, and see the video on YouTube, that, that don't get to watch it live, that... Uh, this is a tool. This is another tool for you to go back and, and watch over and over and get something yeah. new from this every There's single time. There's a lot of free stuff on my website, too, um, that can help people a lot. And that's um, I am D. Wallace. I am D. Wallace. Dot com. Dot com. I am. <laughs> um, you got to claim it. Yeah, you do. I you got to claim who you are, baby. And I am D. Wallace. So. Well, go go to the website. Uh, if Join you, me on my call-in show Sunday yes, mornings. Yes, Sunday too. mornings and free uh, call-in. You can call in about uh, anything. I have this pimple. Why is it here? <laughs> you're like, let me ask. Cause I'll find it. Because <laughs> yeah, you ate uh, chocolate bars. Because you're erupting with anger. Oh, there we go. <laughs> she just came up with that one. I'm sure. Uh, but you know, it's always a joy. And please come back. Please come back. And Anytime. this is this is so much fun. It's been a kick. So we it's need. It's been a kick, and it's been deep at the same time. Right. It, you know. Well, where can we, you get that? We love we love the deep sometimes, you know, because we we love to to make people out there think, not just to not just to make them laugh, but make them think sometimes. That's right. And I, and then think about yourself. And we love you, Robin. That's right. peace. <laughs> yes, Robin, we do, we do. We're gonna miss you, but we have your all your movies to make us laugh for generations to come. Uh, make sure you go and purchase "Wake Up Now," a book of universal truths and uh, getting stuff. Everything is possible. Where can we pick those up? All on Amazon? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, yeah. And if you want a hard copy of Getting Stuff and want me to sign it, you can let me know through my website oh, great. and I'll get it to you. I may have to do that myself. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and then also go to uh, find her on uh, Twitter. And your Twitter name is... Oh, it's uh, D underscore Wallace. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure and an honor. And uh, I know Carla and I loved having you here. I love we being love here. you. We love you. All right. Well, we, we love did. you. Yay. Without you, we wouldn't be here. Well, there's your uh, applause. 
And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have an uh, actor that's uh, on a new TV series called Chasing Life. Ooh. Yes, Ooh, I, I like know. This title. We're like a theme today going on here. Right. And uh, he's going to be uh, live in studio here. And uh, his name is, and I'm going to try to, you know me and my names, D. Wallace is easy, but Ab- <laughs> Abdi Sinha. So, yeah. Don't look at me. Come on. Come on. I, I am not butchering somebody's <laughs> name. I get my name butchered enough as it is. All right. Well, we'll, we'll find you. out for sure when he gets in thank studio. Thank you and good night. And uh, <laughs> Dee, thank you so much. And don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. And this is a, a song that we played uh, a couple weeks ago when we had the Philharmonic in studio. They were on the sing-off. Uh, they're the first really kind of Filipino a cappella group that's really made it up there big. Awesome. So I know. So this is called Happy. I know you know this song. All right. Oh, I love this. I know. I do too. So you're listening to On Air Attorney Suite on Universal Broadcasting. <laughs> Uh-uh. <laughs> it might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Sometimes she's here, you can take a Talking this and that. So give me all you've got and don't hold back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I should probably warn you, I'll just be fine. No offense to you, don't waste your time. Thanks so much for watching our cover of Happy by Pharrell Williams. Shout out to District 12 Films uh, for this awesome music video. 
and Lane Stein for mixing this track. Uh, Philharmonic just left on our first national tour, so check out singofftour.com for tickets and uh, see what cities we're going to be in. We'd love to meet all of our fans, so thanks for watching this video and see you guys soon. We are back with On Air with Tony Sweet, only on Universal Broadcasting Network. All right, we're back on Air with Tony Sweet. And we have Carla Renata in the house. Carla, you are looking so good today. Well, y'all look good. In that picture, my breasts look like two big old cantaloupes, so I'm going to cover them up. That's funny. That looks not cute. (laughs) I was going to say something, but I will move on because, (laughs) you know, I love my Carla. Shut up. All right. So, okay, we're going to try this because he told me his name, and I'm blonde, and I have ADD, so my attention (laughs) span is about Abby, right? Abby, like Bobby. Abby, like Bobby, exactly. Uh, Like Bobby Brown? Like Bobby Brown. Oh, for okay. The record, that's, that's for the record. I love cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. Oh, you know what? <laughs> we can go a lot of places with that right there. All right. Well, we have in studio a young gentleman. He is a very famous actor. No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> I, in my yeah. eyes, you are. Uh, well, but he's on a new a TV series called Chasing Life, Chasing and I can't Life. and I can't ABC wait to talk Family. to him about this because it's there's a big, deep, heartening message in in this uh, in this TV series. So we're gonna welcome Abby Sinha. That's perfect. Yay! Oh my God, I got it right. Yay. Yes. <laughs> welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so. You looking at your resume? You've done a lot of stuff. You've been on a lot of other television shows and and uh, movies. And uh, but first of all, before we start talking about the TV series, I want to know where are you from and how did you get into this crazy industry of entertainment? Well, I grew up in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, when I was fourteen, came here to Los Angeles and uh, by yourself. Not by myself, <laughs> okay, my, my family. We, we moved. <laughs> they just sent me off. Go They're west, like, go. Go west boy, and make your fortunes. You wanted too many cookies. <laughs> too many cookies. And so. um, came here when I was 14 with my family, and uh, they reside in Palm Springs. I went to a boarding school in L.A., and while I was in boarding school, got bit by the acting bug. But the school didn't really let me... Um, you know, like act and go out and audition and really? leave the school. Those are rude people. Rude school. <laughs> I showed them I'm not going to college at all. Right. <laughs> but I, I actually did end up going to USC for a year. And then oh, you made, did? I did. I studied uh, sports journalism and neuroscience, and then I made the decision to That's kind of a be a serious actor. I know. Neuroscience to acting. Yeah. That was my reaction. I was like, okay, really, yeah, in well, class, this do? is not for me. <laughs> I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> were, you, were you getting a lecture one day and you were like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be doing this. Oh, pretty much. I actually got my <laughs> grades back and I was like, you know what? I can do better than 30% in this class, so I need to become an actor. By the <laughs> way, the people in the chat room are loving you already. Oh, great. They're like, he's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so he's like, really? Really? No, please. Yeah, if I look like you. Look at that hair. Amazing it's hair. gorgeous, yeah. Now, did you have to grow your hair out for for the show? It's funny. We did the pilot in December of 2012, and then uh, we didn't get picked up till six or seven months later. I didn't touch my hair. I was all Grizzly Adams. They were, were like, you? you know, shave your face, but we, we like the hair. And then I, <laughs> I, I basically I, I responded by saying, you know that the second episode is chronologically a day later from the pilot. Right. They said, you know, no one will notice. It's it's fine. And everybody's like, how come he's here? I have, I have people coming to me being like, is that a different guy in the first episode? No, that's that's me. No, that would be me. <laughs> 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 All right, so you, uh, 
you had graduated from did you graduate from college or no? I didn't I uh, took a leave of absence and and still never did. And, and you're still on still leave. on that leave <laughs> <laughs> well it paid off because you're doing very well you seem it to be did. working you know, quite a bit I was actually very scared to tell my parents that that's the decision I had made oh my god but they I were so, you know very Indian conservative parents who actually proved to be very supportive and once I told them you know I can literally get paid money to do something I love to do Instead of wasting a ton of money being here doing something I'm not that motivated See, to do. The wasting the money probably is that's, what got that's them. The, that's what sold them. <laughs> they were like, oh, good. Yes. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Let's give this a shot. Let's see how he does. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first, what would you say your first break? What was your first break that you thought, you know what? This is going to, I think it's going to work. You know, I was in uh, classes at USC, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth between neuroscience and sports journalism. And I managed to book this five-day-long guest star on this show back in the day called The Cleaner, which starred Benjamin Bratt oh, wow. and Grace Park. And um, that was my first real experience being immersed into the acting scene. And you know, I, I couldn't believe that people were actually getting paid money, pa- getting paid really good money to do this. Right. And um, <laughs> it, it, it was almost too simple for me that I didn't even know how to make the decision. But once I talked to my parents and got a little confident in, in my abilities after being on set... <laughs> it was crystal clear. So what? And so when when you got to, what was it called again? Um, the show. It was called the uh, the cleaner. The cleaner. Yeah. So after the cleaner, when what was your next gig after that? Uh, after that, I um, basically did a ton of stuff that no one would have ever heard about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure any actor would I, say and that. And then yeah. I booked this great co-star role on How I Met Your Mother. Oh yeah. And wow. um, then it just started to snowball. You know, I got confident. Um, I figured out a way to book the auditions that I was going on. And then I also just really started studying the craft and taking classes and kind of diversifying the roles that I was going out for. Wow. So, so. Th- I mean, I find it fascinating because, you know, Carla's a, a successful actress, too. She's what last year you were on like four shows all at one time. Yeah, I was recurring on four shows at one time. Yeah. Getting on one show of yours is hard. <laughs> well, that's what I was like. like I right. thought that was no, just unusual. I would love to be on one show for a while. Just one show. But but <laughs> when when you know, when you do this for a while, but there, you go through those times, have you went to that one time you're like, mm, maybe I, maybe I made a mistake. Have you, have you went to that yet? Or you just, you, you know, staying pretty busy? I've never really had any regrets about doing this. And I think that's more, I, I I'm lucky enough to say that I enjoy the process. And I mm-hmm. understand that a lot of people may not enjoy the process because there's so much rejection and stress and, you know, going to Santa Monica on two hours notice at four thirty on a Friday. <laughs> Good luck. Memorize ten so pages of it sides. happens to everybody. Good luck. Oh, it happens to everybody. But you know, I I Hate truly that. enjoy it. I, I like the process and um, even I, like auditions. Like I love I love auditions. You know, you may not believe me when you see me before because I'm all stressed out <laughs> and sweating beads. But like, I really do love it. It's I could. I listen. I'm not an actor, but I remember. Getting an agent, not, they actually approached me because of the show, and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then they started sending me aud- auditions. Seriously, my first one, I was like 38 years old. They sent me to an audition at MTV, and everybody there was 22. And I was looking around I'm like, do they need a dad, or what am I here for? <laughs> you know, what am I here for? But I, I don't like it. I didn't like it at all because I'm just – free flow yeah, it was definitely <laughs> you give me like script I like, here i like auditioning auditioning is fun i this is the thing i like auditioning like i actually like auditioning 
I don't like the process of having to deal with people in the audition room. Because oh. that's like a whole nother skill set unto itself. That's a, that's a great point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a whole nother skill set unto itself. It's crazy. Well, can you give us give us an example of one of your favorite auditions? And then give us an example of just a disaster audition. Okay. Um, I'm going to go disaster first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, that's just, probably that the easiest one to remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I was first getting into acting and going on auditions, um, I was getting sent out for a lot of um, Disney stuff, which was mm. great. That's amazing. <laughs> I totally see that. Amazing yeah, exposure. You know, the ethnic boom. They were so excited about having an Indian guy in there. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I love you so much for saying yeah, that. Yeah, but I mean, it, it was <sighs> great. But um, I, I started to notice after a while. I'm I'm six foot two. I, I started yeah, to notice tall. that I was I was losing out on roles because of my height. height. And, um, you know, all the casting directors would say the same thing. They'd pair me up, um, you know, match me up and then go, you know what? You're too tall. You don't look like you're in high school, <laughs> which was funny because everyone standing next to me was like 30 years old. And I was the only kid who actually was in high school. <laughs> so right. I just remember those experiences. <laughs> like, Great, that may have been the one time where I was like, what am I doing? Maybe this isn't maybe this isn't a good choice. But once I kind of like grew into my body and my face started matching my height, it became easier. Now, <laughs> on the flip side of that, as I started getting older, I started getting sent out for less Disney kinds of roles and more like druggy and like darker and criminal Do kinds like of that? roles. I started booking them, so <laughs> <laughs> clearly it worked. Um, it's hilarious. I remember this one audition for this independent movie I did, I Melt With You, which stars Jeremy Piven and um, oh wow, that's a great cast. Rob Lowe and. Uh, so it was a great, great cast, great independent film. But I remember in the audition, my character is doing drugs and like rolling a joint. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm sitting there and, you know, before my audition, I'm asking people, like, do you think I should just mime this? They're like, no, just take papers in there and start rolling one up. So I, I took some papers in there and just fake rolled a joint and... I booked the role. <laughs> it was amazing. And I just remember thinking, wow, they do not care what you do in there. Just do it. I guess if you're playing the part that they want, they, yeah, they don't they care just, what they you They just do. want you to make a choice. They just want you they to do it. They just want you to make a choice and be strong with whatever choice you make. The That's second it. you try and, and, and take the safe route, you've already lost. Right. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I do know. I do, do know. Do you, uh, when, uh, when you were growing up, were you a shy kid or were you always kind of that creative outgoing? It's interesting. Growing up in Pittsburgh, um, there's such an influence on athletics and sports. Right. And I don't want to misspeak. They have a huge art scene, but it will never supersede their love of sports and athletes. Mm. So growing up as a kid, I, I played the saxophone. I love to act. I love to entertain. But all my friends were doing football and tennis and sports, going to Steelers games, going uh, to Penguins right. games. So I really, you know, fell in love with that. Growing up, if you had shown me, you know, any famous actor on a TV show or, or a movie, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But if a member of the Steelers or Penguins walked by, I was giddy. I mean, those were my celebrities. So when I moved to, <laughs> to California, it was just interesting to see this kind of paradigm shift in that, yeah, we like sports out here, but the arts is what's, that's I mean, what's that's, that's what drives yeah. it. Yeah. And I, yeah. I definitely felt more... Like this was the place for me, the place to be. Yeah, I grew up because I we both grew up in the Midwest mm -hmm. in uh, Kansas and Missouri for mm -hmm. her. Um, there you go. Yeah, well, that's sports was sports like town. everything, sports everything. States. Yeah, St. Louis Cardinals. Yes. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Which I I played it, but I never really was a huge fan of sports. 
and like, got like basketball fandom in both those. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, and I've said this many times. If it's basketball, football, I'm like, whatever. I'm a baseball <laughs> kind of chick. So. There you go. <laughs> All right, so now chasing life. Um, yes. So let's talk about your character, Danny, and uh, tell us about your 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 character and what he does, and 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 give us a little rundown of what the show's about. So the show is about this girl, April Carver, who's diagnosed with um, acute leukemia, mm -hmm. and it's about her struggle to deal with that, treat it, deal with her, her family life, her relationships, her work, um, and that's where I come in. She works at the Boston Post as a journalist, very young, talented, promising journalist, and I work with her and uh, basically just provide the colored comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> he and said the colored comic <laughs> relief. <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, were, are you, were you always uh, funny? Uh, do you have good timing? Because I know that's that's the biggest thing is timing when, when you try to play that comedic it's, side. It's interesting. For this show, it's 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 fallen all so into place where, our, you know, everyone knows their roles so well. And um, it, it is fun for me to be, you know, that, that funny guy. Mm -hmm. Normally, that's not how it is. When I think I'm being really funny, um, people you know, see a very dramatic side to me. And when I think I'm being very serious and being dramatic and having this gravitas, people are just laughing their butts off. So You're I, like, I, gotta, I didn't mean it that I gotta way. try and manage this <laughs> and just use it to the best of my abilities. Well, th what, that's what's funny, because uh, have you ever taken like, um, uh, what is not, um, improv? I'm sure you have. I did take improv, and um, after you think that two helps? or three classes, I was like, I, I can't do this. Really? Yeah. really? I, need to, I need to. I need to practice everything, like like the way I turn, yeah, where you, my head is. You can't. If I'm holding a glass improv. here, here. Like I just, I have to have it all practiced before. Well, how do you do? Because that was like Lucy, you know, Lucille Ball. You were too cerebral for that. Huh? Absolutely. Because Lucille Ball, you know, they say that off screen she was not funny at all like she was not funny it was desi arnaz that was funny absolutely and when they said as soon as sh they said you know action they said that's when she, her t comedic talent came out and do you feel that way too or do you i definitely feel that way i mean i i know that my work is better if i'm able to you know do it a hundred times whether uh -huh. it's in my head or actually be on set and hold what i'm going to hold and go where i'm going to go and wear what i'm going to wear mm -hmm. as long as i'm able to go through the motions you know, at least several times, that's going to help me live in that scenario even more. And that's just my process and the right. way I am. But I totally <laughs> am jealous of people who don't do that because <laughs> that would be so great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this, you know, like I said, this, this show, you know, dealing with cancer and, you know, it can be seem kind of gloomy and it's nice that they add humor to it. Oh, it's, it's yeah. a very heavy theme. And yeah. I, I think the writers have done a really amazing job of just making it lighthearted yeah. and not making it so much about the story of a girl with cancer, but just the story of a girl, the story of a person. Right. I think the precursor to that might have been the big C with Laura Lenny. It was on, um, I think it was on Showtime. Absolutely. And, you know, they they approached that subject on that show from a very light point of view. Like they, they approached it the way they would approach anything else not paying specific attention to the fact that this girl was sick, but more to her life and the people around her dealing with her in the course of her life in that particular place and time. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm just so grateful that the writers saw fit to make it so funny because, mm -hmm. you know, life is pretty hard, and I think we need that comedy. We need to make people laugh. We need to make ourselves laugh to get through it. And they've done such a good job of just representing that aspect. 
Oh, I agree. I, I, I think I find things funny a lot of times that people find like too serious. Very gloomy. Yeah, because I just think life is too short. I mean, it's and it goes way too fast. Can't, can't take take anything too seriously. <laughs> yeah. Speaking but, of serious, no, you go. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of serious, I noticed that you worked with um with James Spader. Did you work with James Spader on Blacklist? Um, I didn't work with him personally. Mm. I worked with Viola Davis. Oh, you oh, did? Oh, wow. Yeah. She looked at me. And she she was looked like, at me. She, <laughs> she looked my way. <laughs> no, it was actually really nice. We had a, That's hilarious. I was doing ADR um, audio dub recording for yeah. the movie uh, yesterday, and I got to see my scene, and you know, she's right there in it. And um, She said she thought I was really cute, which just killed me <laughs> you're like I, me no i actually <laughs> I, I say blacklist I, 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 I can't see it's black, black hat black hat Just um wrong. i called my mom <laughs> i was looking i was like i didn't see it Just on here but i was okay you gotta you gotta be on a, you gotta be on a blacklist i blame i blame my contacts continue <laughs> oh no she she told that to me and my week was made and i called my mom immediately and i was like you know what viola davis just said I'll take that. <laughs> She's like <laughs> my, ba- my baby yeah. my baby that's ma- hilarious well you also you have a uh uh, uh, is it a movie coming out? Cyber. Well, that's the uh, that's the movie that's Black Hat. It, they changed the name from Cyber oh, to okay. Black Hat, and it's okay. it's a Michael Mann movie, and it's about cyber warfare between the United States and China. And I oh play, wow! I play this forensics de- uh, forensics detective, and um, it's very. I look so different than the character I play in Chasing Life. Um, in Chasing Life, I'm very like clean cut. I'm always in a in a in a suit. And, you know, my character thinks he has this really high fashion sense, but sometimes it's not that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of busted, it, huh? In, in, in Black Hat, it's so different. You know, it's this you know, forensics detective, and he's all uptight. And I've got a beard, and I've got these glasses, and I'm spitting out words that I could never spell for you. Like, it's just <laughs> it's completely different. Did you, did you have to ask on certain words how to, like me, I would be like, how do you pronounce this word again? Oh, no, I... Uh, I basically just researched all the words i didn't know like definitions and phonetic pronunciations <laughs> wow <laughs> see i'd be like what was this word again <laughs> if you think i'm smart then that's all that matters that's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> so you you do a it seems like you've done a lot of dramatic work on television am i correct in that assessment except for how i met your mother yeah i've i've, I've done a lot of uh, drama i've been lucky enough to book a lot of. Drama. so would you say that some of the characters that you've done on these dramas have more of a comedic twist to them and and that's how you ended up on chasing life with that type of role of danny usually not usually it's very like defined whether it's comedy or drama i think for chasing life um there was already so much, like you said, gloominess to it, whether it's the overall theme, whether it's what you're going to be seeing the main character deal with over the course of the show. Um, so they really did a, they really made an effort and an attempt to bring in comedy, whether it's, you know, funny guys, um, ethnicity, yeah, right. <laughs> whatever you need <laughs> to I make people you, laugh. The reason I ask is because a lot of time I'm, I'm, my thing is comedy. Right. So a lot of times when I do book a dramatic role, it's usually a dramatic role that has a comedic twist to it. That's why I asked you. Interesting. Asked you that. It's usually been pretty, pretty uh, defined. Linear. Okay. Absolutely. All right. All right. Who? Who? Because you've worked with a lot of people. Who have, have been some of your favorite people to work with, and what did you learn from them? Hmm. Let's see. I loved working with Benjamin Bratt just because I was so. <laughs> raw as an actor and I didn't know what I was doing and um, he like made the effort not just to talk to me and ask me how I was doing which uh, you know it, it 
goes so far mm-hmm. when you're just new and you don't know anything and all these guys are on set and they've been on set for a year and doing this job and you come in and you have to just you know be at the same level as them you know you need the leaders of whatever project you're mm-hmm. doing to, to sometimes come out and say hey how you doing where are you from and just initiate a conversation that'll that'll relax you so much and mm. allow you to do your job that much better and as long as you can remember that <laughs> every everyone there wants you to do your job as well as you do i think it's a lot easier well i, I you know the, not only robin williams passed away but joan crawford not Joan Crawford. Um, Ooh, um, no, oh, no, you not didn't. Oh my God, what was it? What? Lauren Bacall. Bacall. But this is that. But that's what I. What somebody's saying that they before they met her and worked with her, they said that, you know, oh, she's so difficult difficult to work with. And then when they worked with her, they said, no, she's just very professional, and she expects everybody else to, to be, be professional. Which I agree. If you're coming to this industry and you want to be in this industry, I think you should come prepared. Yeah. And speaking speaking on that note, um, would you say so you you were talking about how you you went and you studied acting because you were coming from a completely different vantage point and background. Do you think if you had been someone that came to this without training or having the the common sense to know that you had to get some training, do you think the trajectory of your career probably would have had a different turn? Yeah, I think there wouldn't be a career at all. Um, I mean, I couldn't get I couldn't get acting teachers to look at me, let alone agents and managers and the people who were going to help me get to that level where I was getting job opportunities and mm-hmm. auditions. Mm-hmm. I needed to become a better actor so that I could get my acting teacher to put in a good word for an agent who would then sign me. And it's just you know, had I just gone straight straight in without any training, without uh, you know, making the effort to study the craft, uh, I can guarantee it would not have been as successful. <laughs> I just wanted to make that point for those of you that are out there, because a <laughs> because. lot of times, I know, because <laughs> a lot of times, especially since we live in an age now where there's so many um, talent show competition type of things where people, you know, spend 13 weeks on a show and they get a record deal or this or that or the other happens to them, they need to know that it really is quite important that you have some training under your belt because when your nerves kick in and you can't think straight, it's the training that's going to help you get through those moments. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. But on top of the nerves and having that technical aspect to fall back on, I just think it's important to continue to try and improve. Whether you're an actor, whether you're a musician, whether you're an athlete, you know, whether you, you know, have your own radio show, you're trying to find ways to get better because if you don't, uh, you're doomed. I think <laughs> someone who's better than you. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, take your classes and eat your veggies. Uh-uh, not eat your veggies. <laughs> and drink your milk. Yeah. No beets. No beets. Yeah. I'll eat anything but beets. All right. I'll, another question. Did you have braces? I did. Because you have like the straightest teeth. <laughs> I was like, wow, his teeth are straight. You, you don't want to know the process that <laughs> needed to happen to get these teeth this way. But I'm going to tell you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Pittsburgh, right? Black uh-huh. and yellow, black and yellow. I had black and yellow braces. Oh, my no. Pe- oh, yeah. Because I was that big of a sports fanatic. Oh, my God. And my mom wow. and dad were mortified when I came back from the orthodontist with black and yellow braces. And then at night. <laughs> They're like, we ain't paying for them. Oh, no, that's, that's not the end. At, at night, I had to put on headgear because my jaw was a little bit too forward so you know i looked like robo obby it was insane (laughs) how did you sleep with that straight 
I'm just like, no. Just try not to move to one side. How long do you have to wear them? For about a year. Oh, my God. Yeah. See, I never had braces. And I luckily, I had straight jaw. teeth. Did either of you guys suck your thumb when you were kids? No. See, I sucked my thumb till I was seven years old. Mm. Did you really? I did. You could wow. see me as a little toddler just with thumb in his mouth. My dad said he breastfed until 18. Hey, I'm just kidding. There you go. <laughs> That's what he used to say. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's a joke. It really was. I, uh, he's I'm really tall. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> no, my dad's really short. But anyway. Uh, well, before we get out of here, uh, where, where, where can we find you and all the TV series and movies and all this stuff coming out? And coming up and doing all that stuff. Well, um, Chasing Life just aired its 10th episode. It's mid-season finale on Tuesday, yesterday. Congratulations, Um, by the way. Thank you. And we have another Christmas special airing in December. Oh, really? Nice. And then the back half um, of season one, season 1B, Mm -hmm. episodes 11 through 20, will air in 2015. And then in January, February of 2015, the Michael Mann movie, Black Hat, will be coming out. So, (laughs) Or as I like to call it, Blacklist. This is a a good little... uh, You're having a nice rhyme. Again, what do we talk about? Improvement. Once this ends, I'm done. That's (laughs) what happens. I I have a feeling you're going to keep busy. (laughs) Did you buy that house in the hills yet? Not yet. Not yet. I'm I'm down on Laurel Canyon. I'm I'm working my way up. Okay. (laughs) 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 No, it's funny. We talk about this all the time, Mm -hmm. how people will see you on television and they think, oh my God, you must be bajillionaire now. And you're like, no, I'm just... Yeah, you, you would think. But yeah, <laughs> you're like, yeah, give me more money. That's what, oh, we'll, no, we'll call him. We'll I, call I him. wish, but I'm, you know, I'm happy living in my little place, driving my Honda Civic. <laughs> I have a Honda Civic too. I manage <laughs> Honda party. <laughs> right. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. We so appreciate it. Oh, and you're gonna come back. Absolutely. We'll have to have you back one of these days. We always we we offer this to our favorites. You have to come back and co-host with us. Just say when. Please. All right. We love that. All right. So when we come back, guess what? We're gonna have. Carla's Corner because Carla hasn't been here for a while. Carla, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the James Brown movie, Get On Up. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about the trip to Italy. Mm-hmm. You went? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> oh, the movie. Okay. <laughs> and some coming attractions coming up this week. <laughs> All right. Well, Abby, thank you. So- Is that right? Did I get it right? Abby, like Bobby. I got it right. All right, all right, we'll be right back. On over Tony Sweet. This is Glennis Grace. Didn't we almost have it all that we interviewed a couple months ago? Love her. <laughs> all right, be right back. Don't go anywhere.
been here for a while so I'm going to talk about two movies that I saw and then I'm going to do my little mini tribute to Robin Williams and Miss Lauren Bacall. So um, Mr. Dynamite, The Godfather of Soul, The Hardest Working Man in Show Business are all titles that once describe the incomparable, irreplaceable soul brother number one James Brown. <laughs> so and, you know, just on that note, who doesn't remember that parody of him on Saturday Night Live by Eddie Murphy, Tamal Hot Tub? Come on. Everybody remembers that and knows that he was doing an imitation of his best imitation of James Brown with his pompadour hairdo. <laughs> so you couldn't turn the radio on in this nation in the 60s and 70s without hearing that famous squeal yelling, I'm black and I'm proud, get on up, the big payback, side one and two. Because back then, if a song was too long, they had side one and two. <laughs> And um, there's a scene in the movie, actually, that's depicted where he is 
performing at the world famous Apollo Theater in New York City. And when my mother and I were watching the film, she told me she was there that night. She was there that night to see James Brown, and she said she walked out on the street afterwards, and there was Malcolm X on a little box doing his thing, preaching on a box. So she saw James Brown and Malcolm X in one night. That's so random. It has nothing to do with my review, but I just thought that was fascinating. At any rate, um, Get On Up kind of whips us into a musical hurricane of the career of James Brown and what a ride it was. And let me tell you something. I think I talked about uh, Chadwick Boseman on this show before when he was in 42, the, um, the Jackie Robinson story, and I spoke about how brilliant he was in that. But that doesn't hold a candle to what he does in Get On Up. He and he takes on the very embodiment of James Brown. And for someone who did not have dance lessons, he got them dance moves down pretty good, I gotta say. I mean, he, he was, he never, he, 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 I wouldn't say he hasn't had dance lessons, but he's not a dancer. Like, he's not somebody that you would go to and, he's not a go-to person for a dance role. So he had to learn to dance. Um, and we had AJ, well, not AJ, um, yeah, AJ Jones. We had AJ on saying how he specifically worked with Chad on getting James Brown's moves down. And Chad himself, in a couple of interviews that I've seen on air, um, gave a shout-out to AJ, not by name, but he said that he worked closely with the choreographer, and, and I thought that was really cool that he did that. And Chad was so convincing in the film that I thought he was doing the dancing, he was doing the acting, I thought he was singing, doing the singing, too. I couldn't tell that he was lip-singing to James Brown's voice. Now, that's what I call acting. He wore that out. And Viola Davis plays his mom in the film, and I, can I just say, she never turns in a bad performance, ever. One of the most touching, most memorable scenes in the film is a scene, uh, uh, is a scene with her and Bozeman um, as he's the young James well, as the, there's a scene with him as the young James Brown with Viola that is just it just makes you cry and then there's a scene with her and Chad later on when he's an adult when she comes backstage at the Apollo and I'm telling you what it was he you know Viola is is a two three time Oscar nominated actress and this is Chad's second film right out of Howard University my alma mater and I'm telling you what he's holding his own against her I I just he was doing his thing. And there are brief cameo uh, performances in the film by um, Oscar winner Octavia Spencer. She plays his Aunt Honey. Allison Janney, Jill Scott plays his first wife. Dan Aykroyd plays his manager. Ingenue Ellis, Craig Robinson, and Tika Sumter are all in the film. But I feel like all of these people, their characters weren't fully flushed out. And that their scene, and maybe the best of their scenes or the best of their stuff was left on the cutting room floor. Um, and as a whole, in watching the film, I learned some things about Augusta, Georgia, and about Brown's upbringing in Augusta, Georgia, that I did not know about his career. And um, I was particularly moved by a recreation of a concert he did in Boston the night that Dr. King was assassinated, and a recording session that he did for um, with some little children that he did for his hit single, I'm Black and I'm Proud. The film, in its final edited stages, though, I'm sorry to say, felt a little disjointed to me um, in the storytelling of flipping back and forth between his early years and the years that focused mostly on his musical career highlights. Um, it, I don't know, it just, it just didn't feel quite solidified to me. But um, and it, it also dealt with a period of time where he was a little older, but he was still, you know, pulling in the crowd, still selling out stuff. Um, 
And I just, on a personal note, I want to say that, you know, James Brown was an entertainer in the 60s and 70s that instilled a huge amount of black pride for the African-American culture here in the United States. It, was, it wasn't until he came out with that record that, that people of color even used that to describe themselves because there was so much going on in this country, as we all know about the history of African-Americans in, in America. It's just, you know, I could go on and on about that. But he was the one that, that really kind of gathered black people together and said, look, you know, be proud of who you are, stand up for who you are, and, and don't let anybody tell you different. And people in this country listened to him, um, even and he even though he never really backed down from any adversity in his life, at one point he was accused of selling out because, you know, every black entertainer at some point is accused of selling out. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to get hate mail. I don't care. But, you know, somebody's always accusing somebody of selling out. And sometimes, you know, speaking as as an actress myself, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And it doesn't have anything to do with selling out or or, you know, bowing down to the man or anything like that. It's just sometimes you got to make decisions for the reasons you got to make them. I didn't know that Mick Jagger was one of the executive producers of the film until I saw the movie. So I was like, ooh, that's nice. And I just have to give a shout out to James Brown because if there were not a James Brown, there wouldn't be a Usher. There wouldn't be a Justin Timberlake. There would not have been a Michael Jackson. And the list goes on. And uh, Chris Brown, the list goes on and on and on and on. So it was my pleasure to know that there's a whole new generation now that will know about the legacy of James Brown and how he has inspired um, this new generation of performers. Um, it's in theaters now. I say catch it. You will enjoy it. You'll love watching Chad bring uh, James Brown back to life, if he, even for a little while. Then I went to see this other movie called The Trip to Italy. And it was a trip because... It dealt with these two guys that are friends, and they work for a um, a newspaper or a magazine, I believe. And I gotta find the the thing. Hold on, give me a second. Uh, I'll just go back. They go on this uh, journey of um, they get an assignment to go to Italy, and so they they go to all these restaurants in Italy. They hit every restaurant in like five or six different cities in Italy. It was hysterical. The thing about it was, is that the film was, it made me hungry. <laughs> because all they showed was food. I'm like, could I just not see a piece of food in the, I, I just don't want to see a piece of food right now. Um, but the thing about it was, the most entertaining thing about it was, one of the actors in it is a, a very well-known stand-up comedian. His name is Rob, I believe. Hold on, come on. My thing is not acting. Rob, yeah, I was right. Is that me? No. Rob Brydon is his name, and it's Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan. And I talked about Steve Coogan before because he was in... Sorry. <laughs> I talked about Steve Coogan before because he was in... Um, the movie with Judy that Judy Dench got nominated for um, this past season, Philomena. So um, I was I really wanted to see the trip to Italy because of Steve Coogan because I adored him in that film. And I have to say, the film would have been boring had it not been for Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. This film actually played some uh, film festivals a little while ago, and they re-released it in the movies again. I guess trying to get another momentum on it, but. I was kind of like, 
there was one too many moments of Rob Brydon imitating Al Pacino for me. It made you want to go buy a ticket to Italy, though, and made you want to go eat some Italian food. But I will tell you this. It, 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 Italy is for sure one of the most romantic countries in the world, destination-wise. And I remember back in the day, I had the opportunity to, to visit Italy as part of the USO DOD tours to entertain our troops. And I, I remember Italy as being breathtakingly beautiful with yummy food to die for. And that was, you know brought back to me memory-wise by watching the film and, and made me want to go back to Italy again. But this film was a little slow for me. I really wanted to like it a little more, but mm, that was not the case. <laughs> and so um, in closing out, I just want to give a little tribute to Robin Williams and Lauren Bacall. And I'm going to start with Lauren Bacall first because when I was in New York, I... Uh, was in a little show on Broadway called The Life. And uh, one of the stars in The Life was Sam Harris. You know him from Star Search. He was like the, you know, grand prize winner or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's saying he was, the, he was the first, he was one of the first to sound like a black, big black woman and he was a little white boy with blonde hair. <laughs> but um, he had a holiday party over at his house and he invited, you know, the cast over. And so I, I remember vividly going over to his house that night and I walked in and on this sofa in the living room was Liza Minnelli and Lauren Bacall. I'm like, what is my life right now that I'm in a house where Liza Minnelli and Lauren Bacall are in the room? It was crazy. And she was lovely. She was a really, really love. She was class personified, that woman. I didn't really get to have a conversation with her per se but I saw her interacting and you know talking with other people and she was just a really classy classy woman and she was it was like she walked around it's like she had her own personal personal halo that followed her around she was beautiful she had thick 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 beautiful hair and for the generation out there now most people now don't know that Lauren Bacall was a movie usher when she was 17. She became a movie star at 19 and married uh, Humphrey Bogart, who was in the first film she ever did, and they did the film together. It was called To Have and Have Not. And there's a very famous scene in there where she goes, if you want anything, just whistle. And the, I remember vividly, they had a cartoon version of it that they used to show on Looney Tunes. <laughs> and I would see that it was hysterical. Like, there's this whole scene where he lights her cigarette, and mm -hmm. they had a blowtorch lighting her cigarette in the in the cartoon. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious. But I included all of this in my blog, like clips from all of this in, in my blog. And then I really love the fact that um, she was this classic, like, last of the screen siren movie stars, and then came to Broadway and did applause, and then got a Tony for wow. that she was somebody that just kind of you know arbitrarily would would land in a place where she never really thought she was gonna land and then just when people had counted her out and thought her career was over you know because you know how the industry can be mm -hmm. if you're not on tv or in a movie every two seconds they think ain't nothing happening <laughs> um and and this was after 50 years in the film industry she uh, did she played Barbara Streisand's mom in the mirror has two faces and there's a fabulous scene where she talks about you know you think when you get this age you wouldn't be scared it's a fabulous scene I put it up on the blog and um, she in I think in 2009 she never won an Oscar she got a Tony but she never won an Oscar and in 2009 the Academy awarded her a oh, governor's yeah. award oh, so um, and she said that um, she she wrote two books. One was called By Myself in 1978, and another one was called Now. 
And she said, and now that um, I'm called a legend by some, a title and category I'm less fond of. Hmm. Well, we were fond of you, Miss Lauren. Mm-hmm. And um, you might have been a movie star at 19, but you'll be a legend forever. And a shout out to Robin Williams. I mean, there's so much I could say about Robin Williams, but this is what I will say. Two weeks ago, I was watching um, The Birdcage with my mom, and we had come into the movie halfway through, and I was like, oh, we got to rent this so you can see it all the way through because there is this scene where he's doing this dance lesson to this guy who's popping gum and not wanting to give Nathan Lane his inspiration. Yes, yes, give him his inspiration. And, honey, uh, Robin Williams jumps up, and he goes, he goes, you go, fussy, 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 fussy. And you go, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. You do Twyla, Twyla, Twyla. You go, Madonna, Madonna. And he does this whole thing. And it's so lightning speed fast. But I had not seen that movie since I saw it in the movie oh, theaters. Wow. So I saw it and I laughed my ass off. It's, it's hysterical. Hilarious. And that's the best way for me to describe the impact that Robin Williams had on people that knew him, people that didn't know him. He was a comedic comet that that lit this earth up like mm-hmm. nobody else will ever do again. And I think the two people that even come closest to him, closest, not him, were Nathan Lane and Jim Jim Carrey. Those are the only two people I could think of that come close to having that, and Jonathan Winters, of course. So um, it, was, it was really, it, it was a pleasure to have him here just for a little while. Good um, pleasure. I, send prayers out to both the Bacall, Bogart, and Williams families, and um, prayers out to them. And uh, that's it for this edition of Carlos Corner. Of course, you can catch everything I just said in a little more detail at www.carlarenatascorner.com. Peace, love, and hair grease. All right. Well, it's time to get out of here. And thank you, Carla, so much for being an amazing, amazing woman yourself. And uh, I'm glad to have you here. And uh, this coming Friday, make sure you tune in. We got to get out of here for the Ann Walker show. But this coming Friday, uh, we're going to keep the talking about Robin Williams. Uh, we're going to have Oxford PhD expert of suicide, bipolar, and addiction on the, uh, on the show. He is a, a professor uh, uh, at the, in Washington, D.C. His name is Jay uh, Sin. Yeah, Sin. If you I get always right. messing up somebody's yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> I can never get it. And we also have Grammy winners. Uh, they're called the Blind. Uh, the Blind Boys of Alabama? Yes. Really? Yes. Y'all got the blind boys. They're going to be in studio with us Shut on up. Friday. Oh, so that's going to be fierce. Yes. Yeah, so you guys got to tune in. So anyway, we got to get out of here. And Walker Show is next on Air with Tony Sweet. Love you, Carla. I'll talk Love to you, you on Friday. Bye. This has been On Air with Tony Sweet. Don't worry. There's more online. Search On Air with Tony Sweet on iTunes for fast shows and exclusive behind-the-scenes content. On Air with Tony Sweet every Wednesday and Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific right here on YouTube. UBNRadio.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.